You're listening to the Harborside Church Podcast. To connect with us online, go to www.harborside.org. We hope you enjoy this message. Good morning. I'll tell you what, as I watch that video, whew, it's just incredible to see what God has done in the space of five months, in the space of 12 months for some of us. God is a good God. Amen. I feel like I could, I could just say that and step down today. God is a good God. And today we want to reflect on how good he is, on how good he's been. But particularly we want to focus on what does he have for us this year? You know, what does 2019 look like? What's, that's what vision means. It's, it's just the definition of a preferred future. What you just heard is that's the church that we see. That's the church that we long to see. And praise God, that's the church that's happening in God's glory. That's in his goodness and provision. So that's why we want to take some time today to stop and say, God, what do you have for us in 2019? Sound good? Okay. I'm going to try and control my emotions here this morning. Okay. So we're going to ask that. That's what Vision Sunday is all about. Before we get there, can I ask you a question? I wonder if you've ever noticed this memorial before in the city. You know, I see some nods. You see, it's just near Castle Ray Street on the corner of Bly and Hunter Streets. It's pretty small. You'd be forgiven for, for missing it and not noticing it before. I think I knew it was there, but I, I didn't notice it until I went and saw Dinesh for lunch a couple months back, and it's quite near his work. It's uh, called Richard Johnson Square, right in the heart of our CBD. This is the site of the first Christian service in our country. 231 years ago to the day, on the 3rd of February, 1788, Richard Johnson, the first chaplain to the colonies, preached the first message from the Bible and held the first Christian service on our soil, right there in the heart of the city. Can you just take a second to imagine it? Think about it. I mean, how different would that spot have been? 231 years ago, no buildings, no glass skyscrapers, of course, no asphalt, no cars, hardly any people. Imagine the scene. The service was conducted under a large tree, not that far from the harbour foreshore, where moored in the harbour were the 11 ships of the first fleet. And in the crowd, who was there? One governor, Governor Philip, about 200, 250 marines and their families, about 750 convicts, one stowaway, James Smith, I mean, he's thinking, I stowed away on the wrong ship. Man, the eternal optimist, they call him, James Smith. And then there's Richard Johnson and his wife, Mary, the chaplain, chaplains, really, to this colony. What text would you choose to preach on that day? Think about it. If you were their spiritual leader, what would you choose to teach on that morning? On the 3rd of February, 1788. It's quite a unique moment in history, right? I mean, they've all experienced a pretty harrowing journey from England, three months over, you, know, you can imagine, in those ships. They've arrived to a fairly hot and inhospitable place in not that very long, not that Richard Johnson would know this, that many of them would almost starve as their fledgling farms pretty much failed on them. What text would you choose? Well, Richard Johnson chose this, and there's another picture of the memorial. He chose this, Psalm 116, verse 12. What shall I return to the Lord 
for all his goodness to me. In the old English, it is, what shall I render to the Lord for all his goodness to me? What shall I return to the Lord? What can I give to God because he's been good to me? Feels like a strange text, don't you think? For that moment in history, what can I give back to God for all his goodness to me? And you can imagine some of the people gathered in the crowd under that big tree thinking, thankful? I've been, you know, taken over the other side of the world for stealing a loaf of bread or as the convicts or the Marines are thinking, I'd signed up for a pretty average assignment. Here I am in this, you know, maybe God-forsaken seeming place. You expect me to be thankful for that and then somehow consider how I might give something back to God? You'd be forgiven for thinking this text was kind of, in choosing it, he missed the mark. Did he? This morning, I want to ask, ask the same thing as Richard Johnson asked that fledgling colony. I want to ask us the same question. 231 years later, in a city and a culture radically different from then, I want to ask us the same question. What shall I return to the Lord for all his goodness to me? On this, our first Vision Sunday as a church, I want us to think, what can I, what can we return to the Lord for all his goodness to us? What do we have to offer to further the kingdom of God in this place? What a great question to be asking, hey? What an exciting thing to think about. But I think maybe we get ahead of ourselves because here's a question. How do we get to a place of asking that question with real sincerity? What do I mean by that? How do we ask that question genuinely? I think most of us want to. We want to be able to, from the bottom of our heart, say, what can I give to God for all his goodness to me? But how do we say it with sincerity? From a place of genuineness. I don't know if that's a word. How do we get there? I want to spend some time looking at that this morning, okay? How do we say those words, ask that question with sincerity? Well, in order to do that, I think we've got to look at a few things. I think importantly, we've got to look at our posture individually as a church. We're going to spend some time doing that. We've got to look at our posture. Then we're going to look at our cause, our motivation deep down here, our engine. What makes that run? Our motivation, okay? And then we're going to look at our actions. So spend some time on our posture, our cause, and our actions. You with me? I know you are. Here we go. Let's spend some time looking at our posture. My prayer As a follower of Jesus, that's what I am first and foremost. I'm a child of God. That's my identity, and I seek to follow Jesus first before I lead anybody else. And my desire, my prayer as a follower of Jesus is to have a life that is characterized by gratefulness. Characterized that that my posture would be one of gratefulness. And that's my prayer as a church, that we would have a posture of gratefulness. I think if that undergirds everything we do, we're in good shape, hey? Now, a great picture of this is the reading for today that Gay read for us so well, that story of the ten lepers. You probably know it pretty well. If you, or maybe you don't. You haven't heard it before, but it's a pretty kind of easy story to remember and to think about. Jesus is traveling from Samaria to Jerusalem. He enters a town. As he enters this little or a village, a small village, ten men with leprosy approach him. They don't live in the village because they couldn't. They had this horrible skin disease, so they lived in these awful colonies that were separated from everybody else. They'd got wind somehow that Jesus, the great miracle worker, was heading to this village, and so they hot-footed to see this great preacher and healer. 
Now, they yell out to him at a distance, you know, out of respect because they have this horrible, contagious skin disease. So from a distance, they yell out, Jesus, have pity on us. Have mercy on us. Jesus sees them, notices them, and typical of Jesus, with very little fanfare, just says, go show yourselves to the priests. Now, why did he do that? Well, the priests, they had some function in healing, but mostly, often what they would do is pronounce people healed and well enough to come back into community. So Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they are on their way, on their way to visit the priests for that hopeful pronouncement, they're healed. All receive healing, a phenomenal miracle, an amazing miracle. And you know it, you heard the story, only one returns. All ten receive truly life-changing healing and only one returns to the source of that healing to give thanks. Only one. He throws, It's a great picture of gratitude. He throws himself at the feet of Jesus, thanking and praising him in a loud voice. It's a great picture of gratitude, isn't it? As we ponder that, what could our posture be? Let me ask you this. Is your life marked by gratefulness? Do you wish it was? As I was preparing for this message this week, it's often the case when you're preparing these things hit you, right? And that's, I think, God's intention. Is, is gratefulness a, a part of my life? I was talking to a mentor of mine this week, and he's like, well, ask your wife. Does she? Does she? I haven't asked her yet, so, but um, <clears throat> don't ask her afterwards. Now you know what your answer has to be. Pip. Um, but do you wish it was? I mean, not do you wish my life was more marked with gratefulness, but do you wish your life was marked with more gratefulness? Do you know people that are truly grateful? There's something about them, isn't there? It is amazing to think that nine didn't return, isn't it? Ten are healed, amazing, life-giving miracle. Nine do not return. I tell you what, may our church be known as a church that is grateful. It's a simple request, isn't it? It's a simple prayer, but it is a profound one. It is a powerful one. Here's why. Because I've said this lots of times, we are upwardly mobile, middle-class good folks. There is incredible gifts and talents in this room. We're going to talk more about how we can use them to further God's kingdom here. But what we need, yes, we need a G up, but I tell you what, we also need to be reminded of our place. We need to be humble, don't we? If we keep a posture of gratefulness, it will keep us humble, teachable, and above all, usable, right? Pride is the great killer. It will keep us humble, teachable, and usable. Genuine gratefulness is a powerful thing. Now, as, um, as parents, I'm sure young parents, you can totally relate to this, I'm sure. And even parents with older kids, I'm sure you can remember or if you've experienced, you know, if you're an aunt, you're an uncle or whatever, you've seen kids around, you would have experienced this, right? As parents, we're trying to teach our kids just simple manners, right? When we're a people of grace. We're not a people of law. We're not all about behavior modification. And yet you want to teach your kids some good manners, right? You, you want to teach them gratefulness because they don't know. We've got to try and teach them. And so we're in that sort of mode, particularly with the young ones, we, you know, say we, I don't know, we cook them a bit of toast or whatever, and we hand it to them, and, and then we hold it back. What do you say? You know, thank you, thank you. And it's just, that's a real picture of genuine gratefulness, isn't it? No, no, not at all. It's not. But that's okay. They don't know. They're young. We are trying to teach them and train them in the way they should go. But every now and then, 
you're tired and you don't do that thing and you make the butter, you know, you butter the toast and you give it to them and then they say, thanks, Dad, without you asking for it. And you're like, oh, oh my goodness. You look at Pete, you look at each other, you're like, it's working. <laughs> We're doing something right. You know what I mean? And there's just that ama- there's a difference between genuine gratefulness and fake gratefulness, isn't there? Genuine gratefulness is a powerful thing. But how do we get there as the people of God? I think what we need to do, so our posture, we want to be a people marked by gratefulness. Now let's look at how to fire that engine. Let's look at our cause. What drives us? Okay, let's go back to sitting under that tree. Imagine you're there 231 years ago to the day, 3rd of February, 1788. Imagine you're under that tree listening to Richard Johnson give his message. What can I give back to God for all his goodness to me? It is a strange question to ask, those folks gathered there. And yet it makes sense when we read the following verse, which I'm sure Johnson This is Psalm 116, verse 13. I will lift up the cup of salvation and call on the name of the Lord. Every Christian has a reason, the reason, to be grateful because of the gospel. This must be the reason and our fuel for ministry, for service, for our very lives as Christians. But many times it's not. I want to discuss how do we get from duty to delight? You see, Richard Johnson, the first uh, chaplain to the colonies, was an evangelical Christian. Okay? He desperately wanted the people of very new Sydney town to be transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, to be redeemed from the inside out for right behaviour to come from right motivation, not the other way around. And this is what we want for ourselves. This is what we want for the people of this area. But here's the thing. I can push on your will all day, trying to get us to do stuff, and all I'll get is obligation, right? Duty. Oh, yeah, Pip and Dave, they, they kind of seem nice. They've been going for five months, but it looks like they've aged five years in the last five months. I can, I can help them out for a bit. It's not going to do, it won't last. We must together fan into flame our love for God, our awe of him, our conviction of sin, and our thankfulness for the grace God has shown us in the cross. Only then will we be fueled with the right fuel to answer the question, what can I give back to God? Some of you guys have been to our apartment. It's not that far from here. It's just across the road. And uh, it's, it's a cool little place. You know, we're in an apartment with the five of us, three kids, but we love it. And being this close to the city and being on the 14th floor, it's pretty high up, you get a you know, decent little view of the city. It's pretty cool. And uh, we moved in just before New Year's Eve 2017, and we had a few people over, and we watched the fireworks. It was awesome. I mean, I love fireworks. I've loved them for a long, long time. We used to trek it into the city with a million and a half people from Sydney. And hang on, have you done that before? Have you camped out on Sydney Harbour to watch the fireworks? It's a pretty awesome spectacle. But we didn't have to camp out with the plebs. We did it in our apartment. It was pretty fun. And we we were just amazed. Man, this, this was awesome. You saw all the four sort of New Year's Eve fireworks on the harbour. It was amazing. And that summer, I, I didn't know this, I discovered that 
There's a lot of fireworks happening right throughout the summer. Did you know that? It feels like every three days, hey, let's celebrate another few days passing. And so there's fireworks on the harbour quite regularly. I'd hear them exploding or I'd see a bit of colour out of the corner of my eye and I'd just rush out to the balcony and, and watch this awesome fireworks display. There's fireworks if you don't know what they look like for visual learners. <laughs> And I'd rush out there and I'd, I'd hang out in the balcony and just watch them and just stay until the last sort of firework went off. You know what's happened? You know where this is going. I got so used to them. So used to them. Oh, yeah, more fireworks. Happened all the time. You know, maybe if I was walking past the window and I saw a flash of colour, I might wait there for a little bit, watch a few fireworks, then, oh, yeah. If I hear them exploding, I might go and have a look. But... The longer it went on, I just totally have lost my awe of fireworks. I mean, a few weeks of Pip's worse than me. She's like, yeah, whatever. A few, a few weeks ago, we were lying down watching the telly, and I hear them going off. I didn't even get up. <laughs> ah, yeah. Many of you thinking, you spoiled man. <laughs> I know you're thinking that. I've lost my awe of fireworks. I'm sorry. Please don't hate me. I have. We are in danger of losing our awe of the gospel. We are. I am. We're in danger of losing our awe of the wild God, the wild gospel. It can become just too familiar and too tame. I mean, who among us who's been a Christian for a while has not experienced this? We're in danger of losing our awe of a holy God that owes us nothing could banish us into nothingness and still be loving and still be just. And yet, time and time again, he chooses relationship. He chooses reconciliation with his people. That's phenomenal. You and I, we're in danger of losing our view of the reality and the horror of sin. We often reason it away. Man, we are good at it. I am so good at it. I'm so good at reasoning away my sin. I'm so good at at sort of switching on my inner lawyer. You know, and justifying, I'm really good at it. And I know a lot of us are reasoning away our problems. But the truth is, it's ugly. It's our greatest problem. And few of us realize the depth of sin in our heart. We're in danger of losing our gratefulness for Christ, therefore. He who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Allow yourself to be moved towards awe at this. When we regain our awe for the works of the Almighty, our perspective changes, doesn't it? That's what we need. Our perspective changes. Gratefulness then will be our default position. You see how the cause, how the motivation has to be right? So, of course, then, with our correct motivation our right motivation, we'd want to welcome people into this community. We wouldn't have huddled backs to the community, but we'd be spread out, wouldn't we? Because we'd remember that God welcomed us into his family through the gospel. Of course, we'd want to practice hospitality. We'd want to feed people on Alpha, which we're starting in a few weeks' time, which is a phenomenal way that we can do this, proclaim the hope of Jesus to Mossman and beyond. It's our mission. Of course, we'd want to do that, Because the bread of life has fed us eternally. 
Of course, we'd prayerfully consider giving financially to the local church because Jesus has been generous to us in giving his life. Of course, we'll commit to praying big kingdom prayers so that people would experience spiritual renewal in this area because we want others to know how good God is. You know, I'd even, you know, we'd put our hands up to serve on a cleaning team, out of the spotlight, unknown, maybe even unthanked. Because we know that the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve you and me. Of course, you'd offer to join the coffee team because you know the importance of your fellow Christians getting their coffee because they don't act very Christian without their morning coffee. Is that right? It's right. I've seen it. It's a terrible thing. (laughs) Terrible thing. Most important ministry at Harborside. Okay. Okay. We've talked about our posture. We want a posture of gratefulness, don't we? But man, we we want to be clear on what's driving us, not duty, but delight in what God has done for us, who he is, who we are without Jesus and our thankfulness because of him. Okay, let's move on to our third point. Let's get pointy. Let's get a bit practical. I truly believe that part of keeping our awe, the gospel, means partnering with God in bringing his kingdom more to this area, to our lives, to other people. I truly believe that will help us. It will keep us from becoming stale. When we come closer to the center of what God is really on about, bringing his kingdom here, it will keep us from being stale. The greatest times in my life has been walking with people who are encountering Jesus and taking meaningful steps toward a relationship with him. They're the most meaningful times in my life. Now, let me say this first. I I must admit, I hope it's okay to say this, it's Vision Sunday, but I'm a little wary of getting up here, this is what you must do. God's given me a vision and all that kind of stuff. I'm a bit wary of that. Because I don't know exactly what's going on in every single one of your lives. And I know that he is speaking to you about how you can be a tool in his kingdom, about how you can practically bring more of his kingdom into your world, into your family, into your workplace. And I want to commend that. I want to support that. I believe church plays a role in supporting those things. So what I'm about to say is not exhaustive. What I'm about to say is not, this is the only way that you can see. No, not at all. Okay? I just want to make that really clear. I hope that's helpful. But... However, I do believe in the local church, obviously. And I do believe that Jesus is the hope for all humanity. Therefore, we are seeking to combine the mission of the church with the people of the church, with the body of Christ. That's what we're seeking to do at Harborside Church. Let us together make a concerted effort to push back the kingdom of darkness in our area by proclaiming the hope of Jesus to Mossman and beyond. That is our mission. How? I believe gratefulness is manifested in actions. What do we see in that leper? The great, that one. Gratefulness was shown in his action. He turned back and he prostrated himself at the feet of Jesus. Gratefulness is manifested in actions. So what can we do? Well, we can pray. Oh, yeah. Pray. Let's not, ah, yeah, prayer. 
This church was founded upon the small initial team. I think there was 11 of us that we met in a nearby lounge room on our knees. We pray. We ask God to show us the way. Lord, if you want us to launch this church, then you have to do something. We met and we prayed to go forward. We are trusting you. And, and I, I know this is true. We will go forward on our knees together. I never want to lose our dependence on God. Can I ask you a question? Will you join us? in praying for more of God's kingdom to come here? We believe that no move of God will happen unless God's people pray. We've got a weekly prayer update that goes out. You get updates about our our mission and what we're doing, about Alpha starting up. We need all of it undergirded by prayer. Do some of those statements uh, from the video excite you? They excited me. That's that's our vision. That's the church that we see. Here's some of it. We see a church that is full of broken people working out how to love each other deeply. We see a wave of people baptized in the harbor into the family of God in Jesus' name. We see a kids' ministry bursting at the seams with young people, learning they are not an accident but the creation of a loving God. We see tears of joy at the restoration of broken lives. And you know who's responsible for that? God. You know how we partner with him? Prayer. So can I ask you, does that excite you? Do you think, I want to get on board with this? Then will you pray? We are committing to prayer walk our area. This is our patch from the Spit Bridge to the Harbour Bridge to North Bridge. We are committing to pray, prayer walk this area again in 2019 because we believe that prayer changes things. 100% of unprayed prayers remain unanswered. I don't care if people think that we are naive. I don't care if people say, them at Harborside, they're a bunch of dreamers. Get real, as if a spiritual awakening is going to happen in this area. You know what that does? That excites me. Because with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Look what he's done. 12 months ago, you know what was here? You know. God is moving. Can I ask you to partner with us? In God moving in this place. I'm getting a bit excited. Forgive me. Okay. Preach it. Feel free to yell it out if you want to. (laughs) If I was at a different kind of church, I'd be getting the preach it, brother. It's okay. It's okay. It's good. I love it. It's good. Okay. We can pray. We can serve. This vision will happen if God's people stand up and want to be counted This is the body of Christ at work. Can I just give you a tiny example of what could be? Because sometimes when we're serving, we always see as this. You could sign up to serve on Harborside Kids, let's say. There's so many areas you could do. I'm not going to spend lots of time talking about that, but you could sign up to serve on Harborside Kids. A young couple, vague faith, come to church. You're back there playing with their little three-year-old, reading to them, teaching them about Jesus, so that young couple can come in here and reconnect with their faith so they can spend concerted time understanding the gospel maybe for the first time. And maybe they commit their lives to Jesus and then they commit to bringing up that child to know their heavenly father and all their future children. Do you see what your service is doing? Generational change in the kingdom of God. We all need to be reminded of the potential of the vision that is possible 
when we stand up and say, we're in this, we want to be a part of this. It's one little example. Let's together use our gifts for the glory of God. What else? We can pray, we can serve, we can connect. This is something very new for us as a church. Today, we are launching our small groups. That's how we are going to connect. This is a very important way, a key way. We will see the vision of Harvestlight come to fruition. It is our conviction that every person at Harvestlight be strengthened in their walk with Jesus, wherever they are at that every person be known by a community and loved and served and kept accountable and, 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 and willing to commit. These are good things. This is how we foster community as we follow Jesus together. We are offering a few different groups. We're going to talk through those um, connect cards and the serve thing. I'm going to talk about them in a moment. But today, all you need to do is just say, yeah, I'm interested in connecting. Truth is, you cannot make it on your own and you are not intended to. Join a small group. Be committed to a group of people seeking to follow Jesus together as we bring his hope to his world. And you can give. Matt's talked a bit about this. I won't talk about it much. But much of this vision cannot take place without God's people financially sowing into this. If you're already giving financially, many of us are, I want to say thank you. Thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your sacrifice. It means a lot. It's doing a lot. But if you're not yet, I want to invite you to sow some seeds of hope. Make a kingdom investment. Now, I, my prayer is that I would never guilt us into giving money. And I'd ask you to keep me accountable on that because it's an easy thing to do, to go to that place as a preacher and make you feel guilty. I don't want to do that. But I do want to challenge us to think about how can I invest in what God is doing here as Matt said before, we need some, some new, some more financial partners. Will you join us? Okay, let me end with this story. About, um, about 11 years ago, we confirmed plans that our opportunity had come through to move to America. Many of you know I was in a Christian rock band for 10 years, and we lived overseas for about, in America for about four years. Before that, it was, is it going to happen? Is it, is it going to, you know, all that kind of stuff? And Man, it was felt like rolling the dice for sure. And, and we just we got this big yes, you know, we want you to come. You know, visas are, are cool and here's the opportunity. Amazing. We texted and called everyone in the band, okay, this is it. We're moving to America. Pip and I, we just had this shared dream, this shared vision. We'll see you later, Australia. We're going to America. And so we set apart, we set about going through our apartment and just kind of getting rid of anything that stood in our way of moving to America. So we gave it to friends and family. We gave so much of our stuff away. It was probably a bit stupid, actually. We, and now we've moved back. It's funny. We kind of visit, like, friends' homes, and we go, oh, yeah, that's our thing. Uh, can we have that back? Is that cool? <laughs> we move. <clears throat> Seriously, it kind of feels like that sometimes. <laughs> Thanks, Sean. Sure. We just had very little regard for those things. Anything was sort of standing in our way of our, hey, we're going to America. We're doing this. I'd love to challenge us to view all that we have in the same light. Imagine if we viewed the kingdom of God like that. Oh, I'm about the things of God. These things? Oh, yeah, they're great. They're useful. Absolutely. But really? Uh, going after the things of God. 
I want to encourage us to have that perspective this morning. May we use whatever is in our grasp to sow into God's kingdom from the glory of Jesus. Allow me to finish my message here with this last part of the vision statement. And forgive me if I get a little bit excited. We see the kingdom breaking through people's apathy. We see cracks opening and God's spirit seeping through to reach the lost and the spiritually hungry. We see a team, a church, on our knees together begging, God, pour out your spirit on us and the people of this area. We see a team of committed people taking a stand, saying we are in this. We will give ourselves to this adventure for the glory of Jesus Christ. We see the body of Christ using our gifts to launch this church. We see generosity that raises eyebrows and inspires others. We see Jesus saying, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. We see God moving. We see Harborside Church. Can I get an amen? Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. Amen.